0: Hi friends, welcome and thank you for joining us online here at Christ Church at Grove Farm. We are back into our series, The Inner Workings of Worship, where we have been looking at the Apostles' Creed. This message begins with a ministry moment focusing on our recent mission trip to the Dominican Republic. You will hear from Tom Mangum and Pastor Jared Ott. And if you would like to check out another glimpse to our recent trip to the Dominican Republic, go to ccfg.org/blog and check out our post there from Devont. Here is Pastor Jamie with today's message. Thank you for listening.
1: Hello, Christ Church. My name is Tom Mangum, and I am uh, the director for uh, Food for the Hungry's operations in Hispaniola, uh, which includes the Dominican Republic and Haiti. Uh, today we are in the community of Tamarindo, uh, which is a... Uh, 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 on the outskirts of Santo Domingo which is the capital city of of the Dominican Republic and we're working with Christchurch the the team that you've all sent down a little bit about this part of uh, the city is this is a place where a lot of people are coming from very impoverished rural village settings and looking for a better life and they end up in in, uh, parts of uh, Santo Domingo just like Tamarindo uh, 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 where they find a lot of uh, 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 urban type problems, which high teen pregnancy, lack of job opportunities, uh, poor infrastructure, sanitation infrastructure, and uh, health and and water infrastructure, Uh, and so at FH we're really trying to to bring a Christ-centered holistic approach to community development here. We focus our activities on health, education, livelihoods, and leadership development uh, in communities across the DR and, and here in Tamarindo. And uh, we working, we're working with a number of different church partners uh, from the U.S., uh, and uh, we've been partnering with a number of, of different partners in other communities outside of Tamarindo. But for a long time, we have not had any partner to work with us uh, in this uh, urban setting, in this in this part of the country. And so our team, our local team, has been praying and asking me, you know, how can we find a partner for, for Tamarindo? And it's been something that we've really put to the Lord in prayer, and then you know, uh, uh, you all showed up and so I want you to know that you're a big answer to prayer uh, for our team and for the community leaders here that have also been, been asking for, for this kind of partnership. So I just want to say thank you to, to everyone who has sent loved ones here who's come down and visited us here or been involved in uh, perhaps child sponsorship. Uh, uh, I just want to say a big thank you uh, to, the, to the Church of, of, of Christ Church in Pennsylvania. Thank you.
0: Well, it's a great story we have to tell, and uh, I'm obviously not Kathy Klein. Um, Due to Kathy's injury, she's unable to be with us this morning, so I ask that you would continue to pray for her. Um, She's doing well. She's in great spirits, and I look forward to chatting with her a little this afternoon. But we took a team down in June um, for our first trip to El Tamarindo in the Dominican Republic, and it was an incredible trip. You just met Tom. He's the, um, the director of the island of Hispaniola, which includes the Dominican Republic and Haiti. He said that. He has a lot of ground that he's responsible for. And we were so blessed by his visit this day because what he shared with us as a group uh, were a couple of really uh, interesting facts about um, our experience and our relationship. As he told you all in the video... Um, They had been praying for a partner to come and work alongside this community, but what he didn't tell you in that video was that there were countless churches that would come down to El Tamarindo and look at it and say, this is too much, this is too difficult, we can't do this. And so for years, the people of El Tamarindo would have churches come through their community only to say no. And so every time that that happened, the people of El Tamarindo began to lose a little bit of hope. And for over two and a half years, they had been tr- praying for a church to partner with them. And so for two and a half years, the people of El Tamarindo were praying for you. They were praying for me. Because when we went down there, we did step up. Almost a year ago, we said, we want to come alongside of these folks in El Tamarindo's, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And this past June, we took our first trip down. It was fantastic. It was the first time that the the people of El Tamarindo were going to host a mission team, and it was the first time that, in this capacity, we were taking a mission team to El Tamarindo. And so, between Kathy and I, we just did not know what to expect. We knew what some of the needs were of the community, but when we got there, we didn't know how the community would respond. I'm pleased to tell you that when we showed up, the community responded with open arms, arms of love. They saw us not by the color of our skin or by the language that we spoke, but they saw us as their brothers and sisters in Christ. And they embraced us. I want you to imagine if we took church down to 79 and set chairs up in one of the lanes. And as we're having church, the deacons are helping people to their seats, but then they're also ushering traffic through. That was our first experience in El Tamarindo as a team because they had a welcoming ceremony for us that they held right out there in the local street because they wanted the community to see that people loved them, that people cared for them, and that all these promises that God had made to them, he was fulfilling in the people from Christ church at Grove Farm. We were received, we had an incredible time, the, the children and the youth performed and they danced for us and they sang songs about God's provision. While we were there, one of the major needs in this community uh, is water. There's one woman in, in, the, in, the, in the, the, the city that we kind of work in. I want you to imagine, like the, this is the north side, basically, of the Dominican Republic, Santo Domingo. And there's one woman in that village who was able to tap in a, a PVC, uh, piece of PVC pipe into the side of one of the public sewage lines. And once a week, she's able to get some type of water. They're not sure if it's clean or not, But because there's no water in this community, this was what these people were going for, and most of the time there was not enough to go around. A community of thousands of people with no running water. Well, this is us, this is our team. And one of the projects we sought to do with your help and your prayers and your financial assistance is we sought to dig a well and to bring running water to this community. And what you're looking at here is a group of men who gathered together and we built a distribution house. What this house will be, it'll be a place where the water's pumped to, it's purified, and then they will sell it for pennies to the gallon um, to make it affordable for everybody. But what was amazing is when we got there, that piece of land was as rough and flat as the front of this stage. Nothing was done to it. On the first day we showed up and we put our hands in the earth and a couple of the men from the community showed up beside us they were so motivated by the fact that somebody came and loved on them, that God kept His promises to them that when we left the first afternoon, we came back the next day and I would encourage you to talk to the team about this that when we got back, apparently the entire community was so motivated by the love of our people that they all came out, and by the next day, that house was almost completely finished in two days. God revolutionized a community because you, the people of Christ Church, decided to be obedient to what God has called us to. They're going to be digging the well soon now. And the people of El Tamarindo, who don't have running water, will have running water. They will no longer live in dust. Their infections will be able to be cleaned. Something as simple as running water that we take for granted. We have been able to come alongside our brothers and sisters in Christ and say, we love you. And this water that we bring doesn't come from us, it comes from the Lord. We had an incredible opportunity to speak to the community. One of the big issues, as Tom alluded to in the video, is is teen pregnancy. And between the ages, and this is mind-blowing, between the ages of 10 and 12 in the Dominican Republic, things start happening in the lives of these youth that should not be. There's a lot of single parenthood that takes place and a lot of teen pregnancy. And so Pastor um, Jared and his wife, Deb, they had the privilege of doing an abstinence and purity talk. We basically took the idea of the silver ring thing and Dominicanized it. And we did the silver ring thing down there. And, And these kids showed up to hear about the importance of being pure and remaining pure and saving themselves for marriage. We had the privilege, Pastor Jared and myself, of coming together with a group of the community leaders and all of the pastors in El Tamarindo came together one night and we stood together and we preached the word of God. We talked about the importance of community. We talked about the importance of regardless of skin color, regardless of language barrier, regardless of the uniform that we wear. This is a lesson we could hear in our country today. That we will stand united, black and white, for the cause of Christ, because we are no different. Because in the eyes of God, he doesn't see that. He sees our heart. And in this moment, we stood with these pastors hand in hand. Pastor Jared and I just gave a Bible to the, the preachers there that was a, an English version, but a Spanish version with the verses right beside each other because we made a commitment that we would come alongside of them, that we would learn their language, and they made a commitment that they would learn ours. Because that's what the people of God do. We stand beside one another in unity and we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was such a blessing to be there with our, with our congregants and our team. and We visited our child sponsorship. Some of you have sponsored children uh, in El Tamarindo. And we had the privilege of going out in teams. Here you see Larry and Bethany. And, and, and It was just such a blessing to actually touch and hold these people's lives that you have changed. I had the privilege of delivering a Bible for, for Glennie and Warren Carr to Glennie's little girl, Glennie. And the joy that came from the way that that family was just changed because they received the word of God is, unexpl- it's, I can't even describe it. But each of our congregants who went had the privilege of going and meeting with their sponsored child, and they got to see firsthand the impact that we're having on that community. You know, it was so amazing to see all that God was doing. Through the unity of brothers and sisters in Christ in El Tamarindo. We were able to do a VBS for the kids that week. We continued working on the water project. And we're going to be going back in September. This is a relationship that we're forming. And we praise God that he's given us this opportunity. And he is alive. And he is doing amazing things. I would like to invite you. If God is stirring in your heart. And you want to be a part of what God is doing in El Tamarindo. We have a trip coming up in September on the 17th through the 24th. Come with us. Come and see. Come and smell it. Come feel the water. We would love to have you join us and see what God is doing. We also have a medical and dental trip going out on March 11th through the 18th. Come with us. Come down and experience what God is doing, because God is doing some amazing things through the people of El Tamarindo and through the people of Christ Church. Maybe you can't go on a trip. Sponsor a child. Maybe you can't sponsor a child. Pray for this these people. Pray for our partnership. Pray for that community. Pray for the pastors there that they will reach the world for Christ. Because that's what it's about, isn't it? Reaching our world for Christ. We were so blessed by the VBS. We were so blessed by everything. And I want to invite you today. Our mission team is going to be back at a table um, in the commons area following the service each one of them has a very unique, incredible story that I'm sure they would love to share with you about what they experienced in the Dominican Republic. So I would encourage you to stop by and hear what God is doing. Pastor Jared has a special message he'd like to share with you right now via video. So take a look at this as we hear about what God has been doing. Well hi Christ Church, here we are right here in El Tamarindo in the Dominican Republic. You know, in the beginning of 2016, we started a campaign working with Food for the Hungry, where we come to El Tamarindo and help this community in a holistic approach, whether it's through physical needs or spiritual needs. And we had a huge campaign where we sponsored children. I gotta tell you, we broke all kinds of records of Food for the Hungry for the amount of kids sponsored in one day. And these kids have a special message for you. Gracias Dios le bendiga, which means thank you very much, and God bless you. So in one day, Christ Church set a record with food for the hungry, for the most children sponsored by a church, and I think we need to applaud that, because we as a church called you to action, God called you to action, and you answered the call, and so my prayer is, is that we would continue to do so. Because we live in a nation and in a time right now where the people of God cannot afford to be sitting idly by. The events of last week are horrifying. They're embarrassing. And I'm so thankful that we have a church that prays for our nation. But believers, listen to me. There is not a political solution to the problems of this world. There is not a racial solution to the problems of this world the only answers to the problems of this world and the evil that exists comes in the person of who Jesus Christ is and what he did on the cross. I sat awake till two in the morning watching the events unfold in Dallas. Watching as an ethnic group took hate. Watching as people in a uniform received hate. And I want to assure you this, There is no evil color of skin, there is no evil language, there is not even evil nations. What is evil in the world is the broken sinful condition of the human heart. And we as brothers and sisters in Christ need to be a people who stand up for injustice. We need to be a people who stand up beside the widows and the orphans. We need to be a people who stand up for what is right, and not the right that is told to us by our country, but the right that is told to us by this book, the Word of God. We as a, you can clap for that, go for it. And I'm going to tell you, like I tell my hockey team before practice I'm going to yell at you today, but it's not because I'm mad at you, it's because I'm excited. Because God is alive and he is doing things in our land and we as a people of God need to jump behind what he is doing. We're talking about the inner workings of our faith, of what we believe. We're talking about the Apostles' Creed. And today specifically, I think it is a very God thing that we're talking about, the line that we're talking about, when it says he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God. Because you see, when Jesus Christ ascended into heaven and took his place beside the Father, he gave us as his people a very specific message, a very specific mission. And listen to me, church, we need to be about that mission. We need to put our little kingdoms down and we need to pursue what God is doing. And we, now more than ever, need to be an example to those who don't know Jesus about what love really is. We need to stand unified, regardless of our uniform, regardless of the color of our skin, and regardless of the language that we speak, and we need to be a people of love. I think it would be appropriate right now if we took a moment and we prayed for our nation. Because over the past several months, it breaks my heart because we've taken some terrible steps in the wrong direction. As a people who judge one another. As a people who make blanket statements and we lump people into categories. When there is no category other than those who know Jesus and those who don't. So let's take a moment now. Let's pray for our nation. Let's pray for unity and for peace. Lord, forgive us. Where in our anger we have held hatred in our heart towards our brother for whatever reason it may be, forgive us. Where for we as believers have failed to stand beside the widow, the orphan, those who are being persecuted, and where we have failed to love those who persecute, forgive us, Lord, Help us to remember that we do not serve a little God, that we do not serve a dead God, that we serve the only God, the one who is alive, and who is waiting to return to claim the victory. So Lord, as we speak about you this morning, speak to our hearts in the way that you need us to hear individually. We also pray for conviction and motivation that you would help us to be about reaching our world for Christ. We thank you and we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So there's really three things I'm going to talk about today. And they all relate. The first is we're going to be talking about the inner workings of our church. Why do we do the things we do? And one of those things that we do is the Apostles' Creed. Why do we recite it? Well, we've been talking about this for some time. And today, the section that we have comes from the book of Acts Chapter One, verses One through eleven. You can turn there now while I still talk. But the line that we're going to talk about today is a line that, in my opinion, is one of the, the epic events of the Bible. We, we love to celebrate Christmas, and in our culture today, there's a large movement of people who just really love baby Jesus, and in some reason, we separate him out from Easter Jesus, and we have the Christmas Jesus, we have our Easter Jesus. And then it's almost as if we think that the story stops there. But I want to encourage you. When Jesus came to earth as a child, and he died on the cross, and he rose from the dead on the third day, the story of Jesus Christ does not stop there. The Word of God tells us that for 40 days after his resurrection, he went around performing miracles, demonstrating his awesomeness to the people that he encountered. And what happens next is a significant moment in the life of a Christian. Because what it tells us in the Word of God is is that Jesus ascended, he went back to the Father to his right hand. This is a moment that sometimes gets mentioned in the bulletins. But it's a moment we as Christians will pass over and forget the significance of. The reason this is mentioned in the Apostles' Creed is because this is an epic moment. It is an epic moment for you and I. Because you see, when Jesus ascended into the heaven and went to the right hand of God, he sent a very clear message to us about several things. Would you turn to Acts 1 with me as we read our scripture? Luke, who who wrote this book, also wrote the book of Luke. And... These two books are are very, um, you can read them almost back to back and they go together very well. And so I would encourage you sometime as you're doing devotion to read through the book of Luke and then continue right on into the book of Acts. See, in this moment, Luke paints for us a very uh, interesting depiction of Christ's ascension from the perspective of the disciples. In this moment, they see an awesome side of Jesus that I hope you catch this morning. He says this in Acts 1.1. He says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up into heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that he had chosen. And after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion, while he was eating with them, He gave them this command. He said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John uh, baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is saying, I want you to stay here because I'm about to equip you beyond your wildest dreams to go out and to do ministry. It says this in verse 6. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord... Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? See, we read that a lot of times and we love the passage that comes after. But what we can quickly miss is in that moment, the disciples missed the point. Because when the disciples say, are you going to restore Israel? Christ's response uh, that John Stott points out very clearly in some of his writings is not one that's actually pleased. In fact, Christ's response is a little bit of a loving admonishment because in that moment when the disciples say, when are you going to restore Israel, they're really talking about when are you going to build up our little kingdom. And Jesus' response is absolutely beautiful. And it's a message that our nation needs to hear today. Because he says to them, he said, it's not for you to know the time or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. Notice the exclamation point. This is not a little steady conversation. This is hockey coach talk right now. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. When Jesus makes that proclamation, he's saying, guys, listen to me. You're not just going to minister to Jerusalem, to Israel. You're going to minister to everybody Because when Jesus died on the cross, he died for white people, he died for black people, he died for people in uniform, and he died for people out of uniform. Please clap for that. Jesus Christ came and he loved the hearts of people. And when the disciples got it wrong in this moment, he said, no, 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 don't go there. Don't start dividing yourselves over Israel, Jew, and Gentile. We see the path the disciples take later in the New Testament, don't we? They argue over Jew and Gentile. And Jesus is trying to make the point, Guys, I want you to go and love everybody. The early church was persecuted by Rome. There was nasty fires all through Rome. Christians were being blamed and they were being burnt alive. And do you know what the Christian response to that was? After the fires took over Rome, the Christians went to the people that persecuted him and they healed their wounds. They put ointment. They loved them. They fed them. And as Christians, we are called to respond better than our own little kingdoms. We're called to respond with love because we have a God in heaven who stepped out of heaven Came to this place and poured out his blood and, and pierced his body for you and for me. He said to stand for those that can't stand for themselves, defend those that can't defend themselves. And we as a Christian people need to take the matters of justice, which is a word that belongs to God, not to politics. We need to take that serious and we need to be the hands and the feet of God and go into all the world and spread the good news of Jesus Christ. In this moment, he says these words to him. Luke tells us, after he said this, he was taken before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. What's different about this than the resurrection is, it is happening right in front of the disciples. We know that Jesus rose from the dead. We've seen the empty tomb. I've seen the empty tomb. He's not there. But in this moment, Jesus Christ is rising in front of the disciples. They're seeing it happen. Fully God, fully man. Jesus is ascending to his rightful place at the right hand of God. And he goes back to heaven. And it says this, uh, that he was hidden from their sight. And there they stood looking into the sky. If you saw Jesus rise up into the sky, you would probably be pretty dumbfounded and awestruck as well, right? So I can't blame the disciples for what happens next. But what happens next is a place where we as Christians often get stuck. Because it says they were looking intently into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. These are angels. And they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven, he's going to come back in the same way that you've seen him go to heaven. And what he says in this moment is, why are you standing here? Because God told you to do something. And in a couple of days, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, and you have a mission to reach your world for Christ.'" Don't stand around. Get busy. Don't sit in the pews. Go serve and love people. And when we say the Apostles' Creed, and we talk about the ascension of Jesus Christ, we are recognizing that we have been called to something greater than ourselves. That we have been invited to participate in the mission that God gave those disciples in that great commandment, that great commission. And we are to get up and we are to go... And we are to love one another. Those police officers who left behind children and widows, we as the church should stand beside them. Those families that lost loved ones, for whatever the reason is, we should stand beside them. We shouldn't generalize and marginalize entire groups of people when really it comes down to the brokenness of sin. And when we say the Apostles' Creed, that he ascended into heaven, we should remember that we have a mission. Because when we look at the Apostles' Creed, we can really pull out four key things that that it means for us as Christians. And I want to go through those with you right now. The first thing that it, when we look at this ascension into heaven, is we see that the disciples saw Christ go to a place And there's a popular trend in our culture today that we talk about heaven as a mindset. We talk about hell as not being real. But I want to assure you, church, heaven is a place. Heaven is real. Hell is a place. And hell is real. In fact, right now, there are angels around us. There's a spiritual reality that we don't talk often about because we are afraid to sound weird or I don't know why. But there is a spiritual reality to this existence that we as men do not get to see always. Some have. Heaven exists now. And I promise you, Jesus Christ is sitting at the right hand of God and he is preparing and advocating for you. A couple of times in scripture, we see instances where men are given the privilege of seeing into this spirit world. In 2 Kings 6.17, Elisha is surrounded by the armies of the angels. They're there to protect him against the Syrians at the Battle of Dothan. Elisha's servants can't see what's going on. They just know somehow they're surviving and that they're making it through. And all of a sudden, God decides to reveal the angel army to the servants of Elisha. And they take a look into the spiritual world. And they see God's hand of provision through the angel armies. In a couple of chapters from now, there's a young guy by the name of Stephen. Who, while setting the Pharisees in their place, is executed. executed. And while he's being stoned to death, he looks up into the sky and God peels a layer from his eyes and he's able to look into the spiritual reality and he says, I see God and I see Jesus sitting at his right hand. There is a reality out there that exists. Pastor Jamie, are you telling me you believe in the spirit world? Absolutely. Unashamedly. Can't wait to see it. Jesus Christ tells us in John 14, 2-3 that his father's house has many rooms and he is going to prepare a place for you and for me. And when we say these words that he ascended into heaven, we should be reminded of the fact that there is a bigger existence out there than the rules of this earth. That there is a spiritual realm. The second thing we see when we talk about Christ being ascended into heaven is that Christ is going to receive, that he did receive the glory and the honor that was due him. In John 17, 5, Jesus says this high priestly prayer where he prays to the Father. He says, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Here we see Jesus longing to be with God in the way that he was with God before this all got messed up. Jesus says, bring me back. He longs to be reinstated to the right hand of the Father. Remember, Christ came down from heaven. He existed before the creation of the world. When baby Jesus was born, that wasn't a brand new guy. Do you know that? He was and is and is to come. And when we talk about him ascending into heaven, it is, a, it is a homecoming for him. And he receives the glory and honor that was due him. But what's amazing about this ascension, when he goes back to heaven, he does so differently. Because when Jesus goes back into heaven in this moment, he goes as fully God and fully man. And now, making a way so that you and I, as humans, can be in fellowship. With God. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father is a statement that should bring us joy because one day we will be able to dwell with God. The third thing that I see is when it says he was seated at the right hand of the Father, this is a fulfillment of things written in Scripture before in Psalm 110. When it says it reads like this Sit at my right hand and I will make your enemies a footstool. When Christ ascended into heaven, he sat at the right hand of God. He fulfilled these words. We forget that when Christ ascended into heaven, he also demonstrated a completeness of his work here on earth. The work was not simply completed when he rose from the dead. The work was was even more beautiful when he goes the further distance for us, when he goes back to heaven. Because when he goes back to heaven, he completes a work. By demonstrating the office of the high priest. If you remember, the high priest's function in the temple was to take the blood offering that the sinner or the person making the offering would make. He would then take it and he would present it to God saying, this is the offering that was given for the atonement of sin. And when Jesus Christ ascended back into heaven, he took with him the sacrifice of himself and he functioned as the high priest. And he said, God, here I am. Here is the sacrifice for these people. Here is the blood that has been shed. And he carried on in the line of Melchizedek and he became the high priest, the intercessor for you and for me. You don't need to confess your sins to a man. You confess them to God because of what Christ did on the cross and because he went back to the Father and he is there now, alive, sitting beside God at his right hand. When Jesus ascended, he brought with him the sacrifice of himself. To the holy place, he satisfied both divine justice and he brought forth the reconciliation of man to God. When Christ sits at the right hand of God, it demonstrates his ultimate authority over everything, over you, over me, our entire universe. And so when we say that Christ ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, our hearts should rejoice. We should think about those deep words because... Jesus loves you so much, he would give his life, he left heaven, he came down to this place for you, he poured out his blood, and death itself could not keep that love down, he rose from the dead, and he didn't stop there, he kept going, and he went straight to his dad's house, and he says, Father, I love these people, here's the sacrifice, now let's get ready for the party that we're going to have when they get here. And the other thing we see in this statement is the fact that Jesus went to a place to prepare a place for you and I. This is not our final destination. Jesus is coming back and the back of the book tells us He's going to be victorious. He wins. And when Jesus wins, that means we win. And when he comes back, he's going to take us with him. And we will forever dwell in the house of his father, in the place of heaven that really exists. Amen? Are you excited about that? No more no more people killing one another. No more riots. No more hatred because we're too ignorant to look past the color of our skin. No more hatred because we can't understand each other's language. We're going to worship God together. And it's going to be beautiful. Brothers and sisters unified under the cause of what Christ did for us. So when we say these words of the Apostles' Creed, Creed, do we simply utter it and then sit on our hands? Do we simply stare into the sky going, that's pretty cool? Or do we take heed to the fact that Christ went to extreme lengths for you and for me Not because he had to, but because he got to, because he loved you. And now he's preparing a place for you. And he's inviting you to be a part of the victory by getting involved in his church, by getting involved in the ministry, by getting involved in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with everybody that you can. Are you stuck looking into the sky? are you doing what Jesus commanded us to do when he went up to heaven to prepare a party for us? He said, go into the world. Make disciples of all nations. All nations. When we say these creeds, we should not just simply rattle through them. I love that recently we've been changing the tempo and mixing up the pace a little bit to throw you off. Because we really want you to think about the words that you say Because we can skip by, he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again to judge both the living and the dead. And not think twice about it. But he ascended into heaven means he descended at one point. There's a story behind these words. This wasn't a creed that was just simply slapped together and said, hey, this sounds good. But every statement in it has deep theological significance. And why do we say it? Why do we continue to say it after all these years? Because it's powerful. And so I'm going to ask you to stand with me right now. And I'm challenging you as a church, as believers in God, to not sit idly by while the enemy attacks our nation, while injustice is done, while we demonize our authorities. The people of God, we need to stand up. We need to pray. We need to be the people of God and be the people that we claim we are when we say that we have a Christ who ascended into heaven and now sits at the right hand of the Father. If your God sits at the right hand of God, if your God is God, live in that power. Don't live in fear. Don't live in ignorance. So let us affirm our faith now in the words of the Apostles' Creed. And I'm going to read it to you and I want you to say it with me but I'm going to mix up the tempo and I want you to think about the words that you're speaking. We've taught on a lot of this so far and some of it we haven't. But God is victorious. You can be on that team or you can be on the other team. Heaven is real and so is hell. I know where I'm going because of what he did for me. Because I believe in God, the Father, the Almighty the creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified. He died and was buried. He descended to the dead. And on the third day he rose again and he ascended into heaven and he is seated at the right hand of the father. That should make you want to jump for joy. We don't live to the bondage of sin anymore. God loved us. He came down to this place and He set us free. And we can come to this church and we can say together that we have a God who descended to the dead. And on the third day, He rose again. And now He sits at the right hand of our Father and He's preparing a party for us. Are you alive in your souls today? This should excite you. These are not mere words. This is the Apostles' Creed. Do you treat it as such? We belong to this family, and he is going to come again to judge the living and the dead. And I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. And I can't wait. Amen. 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 God is good, isn't he, church? The creeds are part of who we are. Don't let them become words on a screen, words on a paper, because you have a God in heaven who laid down his life so that we could say these things. Live big, church. Live loud. And do what he's called us to. Call our world to Christ. Father, we love you and we thank you. Oh, Lord Jesus, this is such exciting stuff. Forgive us when we come through the doors and, and, and our world has us bogged down and we get stuck in, in the awfulness of, of, of just life. But Help us to be excited about this, that we have a God in heaven who loves us. And regardless of what we're going through with our health or our marriages or our workplaces, our jobs, you still love us. And because, Christ, you came and you died for us, you now intercede for us to the Father. Thank you for that. May we... Recite those words and forever remember that you win. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of your team. Use us in a mighty way. Convict our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen.